everyone, and welcome to the Dicebreaker Podcast, episode 31. I don't know any numbers that are cool, like 31. <laughs> He's guessing a tattoo, yeah. He's getting ink done. He asked for a 13, but they drew a 31. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Johnny saved us from ourselves. <laughs> uh, speaking of Johnny... <laughs> I am Alex, me and staff writer for Dice Breaker. Uh, here is Johnny Kiudini. Hello. <laughs> what I'm the head of video for Dice Breaker. Um, <laughs> and it's, it is nice to be here. I feel like I've not been on the podcast in approximately 400 years. Mm. Um, so I'm excited to know what, uh, what new editions of Catan there are. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm joined... Uh, by my son, Michael Whelan. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Michael Wheels Whelan. Uh, I'm back in the pink hoodie, uh, and it's good to be back on the pod. Yeah, we <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. We can't see that. So this yeah. is news. This is news <laughs> and some Johnny of our and listeners I. can't see that either, because not everyone watches the video. There version. you go. This is there true. There you go. That's, That's why I haven't mentioned my, my nice hoodie, which is... It's lovely. Um, Part of the RSPB's new line of clothing. Oh, so, yeah. it's got a it's bird nice on hoodie. it. It has. It's got a. It's got a, a woodpecker on it. Mm. All right. So do with that what you will. <laughs> yep. Anyway, what's coming up on the podcast today? Well, on the podcast, uh, we will do our usual uh, chat about what we have played uh, oh. before moving on to some news. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, our usual host, the uh, ever charming. Ineffable. Yeah. yeah. Ineffable. <laughs> it's the only word you're allowed to use on this podcast. Yes, the ineffable uh, Mr. Jarvis <laughs> uh, is off, uh, enjoying himself. Uh, so <laughs> away from this chaos. So uh, yeah, we're taking over, as you can tell already, from how well <laughs> this is going. We're um, doing, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, Johnny, mm. would you like to tell us what you've been playing recently? Yes. Um, I have been playing, apparently not enough with my dog, who was just hassling me <laughs> to, to play with her. But um, I have, I've not been playing a huge amount recently because um, I'm temporarily between flats, so I have uh, removed myself to a temporary uh, living arrangement where I'm living by myself. Uh, so chances to play video uh, board games with people are slim, but I have been playing Deadlands, which is what I always play. And oh goodness me, I need to tell you about last night's session because um, I was—I've been playing in this campaign with a few friends, uh, GM'd by my friend Joe, who like is the, the my first GM. He's the one who got me into tabletop role-playing games. Like he's the one responsible for all of this mess. Mm. Um, so we've been playing Deadlands for a while, and. Um, we had gone through this whole big thing where, like, there there were some hucksters, uh, you know, some, basically some magic users who were out to hurt us, and we got trapped in some form of weird dream state, and then um, we had to fight our way through this like imaginary complex to get through a door, and we thought that would lead to a meeting with the the guy who was doing this. Instead, it sent us back in time by three weeks to a place we'd been. Um, and we were like, what the hell is going on? So we decided to try and find out what was happening. All hell broke loose. Uh, and there was like a portal there. And a guy emerged from it with 
this guy we'd met before, he emerged from it with future versions of our characters. And he was like, you got to get out of here. Everything's going to hell. Blah, 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 blah. And he was like, go, 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 go. And he made us run through the portal. And then we re-emerged from this portal to find ourselves in the town that we had just left. But it was all, like, it had been reclaimed by nature. A bunch of the buildings had turned to rubble. And uh, my GM just casually straightened up and said, the year is now 2097 and we are playing <laughs> Deadlands Hell on Earth. <laughs> And we went, okay. Uh, and he basically was like, here are the changes to your characters. Um, and he's, he's, he's reworked our characters to be in line with the game. So Huxters are now Psychers, for example. And the uh, unfortunately named Mad Scientists from Deadlands Reloaded become Junkers, I think they're called. Um, the, the changes to my character were modest. Uh, my lantern became a flashlight. <laughs> And my knife became a miniature chainsaw. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. So, I mean, not terrible. Some of yeah. them have got, like, amazing psychic powers and that, and now I've got a mag light. But, and you, you've um, turned into a space marine. <laughs> yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. Um, I've, I've got just now covered in purity wax. But, um, yeah, needless to say, that was quite something. I hurt my throat yelling, what? Because I was so confused. But it was uh, it was a good time. So, uh, this GM has previous form in doing this, but it... It always gets me every single time. So, Joe, if you're listening, up yours. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, uh, so that was me. Deadlands Hell on Earth, is, is that a thing? Yes. Okay. So this was actually released, it was first released in 98, I believe. Um, and then it got a second edition in 2012 for Deadlands Reloaded. But basically, um, it, imagine, it, imagines, it imagines what would happen in Deadlands if the bad guys won. Because uh, in Deadlands, there there are, like, basically the, there's a separate realm called the Hunting Grounds, which is full of horrible spirits that want to come through to Earth and, and just destroy it and make it into a, wait for it, Deadland. Um, they have servants on Earth. These are called the Reckoners. They're basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse, hidden among, like, certain uh, important figures in the world. Um, and canonically, like, according to the official history, they get defeated but this imagines what would happen. What would have happened if they won? Um, so it is reading up on the history. It is brutal. Like the the nuclear war not, doesn't just happen and eviscerate the entire world. But they use a different kind of bomb uh, called a. Uh, I think it's like a, they literally call it a ghost buster bomb because it's full of ghost rock, which is this creepy mineral. Uh, and the idea is it, it releases tortured souls and evaporates the people in the cities without damaging the actual city so it maintains its strategic importance it's it's brutal but yeah um it's kind of like deadlands meets mad max in a way mm, so it's pretty pretty intense so there's there's ghosts flying around people driving around in cars someone's yep. playing a guitar with fire like spewing yep. out of it yeah and i've got a flashlight and uh, you're all click, click. you're all cowboys from like the oldie times Yes, so the way it's changed is that uh, we we remember everything that happened in the late 19th century. We remember that we went through a portal, etc, etc, etc. But we also have residual memory of what this world is and how it works. Mm. So I don't think we're getting home. Like this, we've, We're not now starting a series of Quantum Leap, where we're just trying <laughs> to get back to good old 1892. Mm. Um, we are, we're in this world um, for, for good or ill. 
Mm. Um, and currently we're stranded in the middle of nowhere. We've got no fuel and we've got no food. So it's funny. We've gone from like massive apocalyptically large storytelling to back to a really granular focus, which is what I really like in role-playing games. Like when things get too big, when it's like, we've got to save the entire world, I switch off a bit because I feel mm. like my ability to affect that is limited. Mm. Um, but full and, full, full and feud? Fuel and food. That's something I can get my head around. Yeah. Well, that sounds very exciting. Maybe you can find a few lizards to eat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I will stun them with my torch, and then I will cut off their heads with my miniature chainsaw. <laughs> uh, because if you cut off the head, of course the body will die. Mm. Um, and then we'll eat that. Mm. I imagine the others will do something interesting. I don't know. <laughs> delicious. Yeah, you just sat there crunching on delicious crispy lizard. Mm-hmm. And they're off, I don't know. Fighting some ghosts, maybe. Like some yeah. kind of Ooh. bunch of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back. Did you did you defeat the demons? I didn't save you a lizard. No, I, I do. Made... I see. I know exactly what you mean with that whole like. Oh, we need to save the whole world. It's like, oh, great. It's it's turned into a Marvel film. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd much. My... Sorry, I'd Sorry, much man. rather make this delicious spicy marinade for these iguanas <laughs> I'm going to chomp on. Well, my character's also like a 15-year-old boy. Um, okay. <laughs> who ran away from the orphanage in which he lived because he read one too many detective stories and wanted to go be a hero. <laughs> and since that time, he's killed two people and he feels awful about it. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what the world is anymore. I thought there were good guys and bad guys, but it turns out everyone is horrible. Am I horrible? Am I awful? Should I keep killing people? So, you know. He's not. He's not in a fit state to, to turn into to Captain Marvel. Mm, yeah. Captain Marvel's a woman and Judah's not, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Captain America. Uh, there you go. Exactly. The Iron Man. <laughs> the Man of Iron. Big angry green. You know the the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the green giant from the Sweet. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Ho, ho, ho! I'm going to punch <laughs> you in the face. Um, whatever you're called. Um, Take that, Thanatos. Thanatos. <laughs> Oh dear, oh, right, goodness. please let's talk to somebody else about what they've been playing. <laughs> uh, Michael Whelan, Hello, please save me. us from this Avengers hole. Yeah, well, so I did the sort of general thing that happens at the start of all of these podcasts where I'm looking for the pod doc and I realise that I haven't typed in what all the games that I've played and then I realise I haven't played any games. <laughs> Excellent. But in actual fact, uh, I have played quite a few games because um, mm. me and my partner went away for a weekend and we brought some stuff with us. Um, so I've played some co-op games, and I also played. Um, we did a, uh, a let's play, Johnny, of Shining: Escape from the Overlook Hotel. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, we played that. We played that game last week. I completely yeah. mm. forgot. Yeah, it was quite good, to be fair. Um, yeah, it is. So I tried to carry it on and see what the rest of it was like. Hey, um, yeah, we're not sponsored now, so I'm just going <laughs> to say it. It went a bit broken. Like oh. we, yeah, we got like I don't know a couple of bits more past where we were on the let's play and it just okay. for some reason it broke for us i don't know if it was like a pre-release copy or something hmm. so okay. it, like there's still some bits to work out but for some reason it just yeah it just fell down which is a bit annoying yeah. um but i do like oh god i feel like a squeaky thing next to me i do really like the atmosphere of it like it's a really cool um a cool way of doing it where you like it, it feels like a point and click adventure game where <laughs> basically if you ha- if you haven't watched the let's play <laughs> you're right there johnny <laughs> you haven't, sorry <laughs> <laughs> you have a let's play you have like two actions right so wendy can look or use 
which is one yep. and two. So you put that number in front of the thing that you want to do it with, and then it generates a code that you read out of a book, which is quite cool. It reminded me of like Sherlock or, or things like that. Mm. Um, but then it gets a little bit wacky towards uh, the sort of like act two point. Because, well, I say act two, it has an actual act two. What I mean is, after the Let's Play, it gets a little bit wacky because you open up a um, an envelope, like the box is full of envelopes, and one of them has like this, um, what's the acetane? It has this acetane sheet with like, you know, like see-through plastic that you used to oh, use yeah, yeah, for yeah. the overhead projectors in school. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so it has like this acetane sheet with like bits on it, and then you have to like layer it over room cards because that's uh, that's Danny using the shining. Oh. Um and he's like seeing weird things and it like makes codes. We could not work it out. It was genuinely quite difficult, but, oh, no. but yeah. We also got to a point and like it just seemed to break for some reason. Like we hit like yeah. an end state even though nothing had happened. Like it was very strange. Um but yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> I hope that it gets fixed. <laughs> yeah. Uh apart from that, we played some um Arkham Horror the Living Card game. Which was mm. recently recommended in our list of spooky horror uh, Halloween games, mm. um, which is still very very good, um, and my partner likes it a lot now. So I think we might actually try and get some of the expansion boxes because <gasps> oh. the yeah because the the first box you buy is basically a starter set which mm. has like three missions in it, but you can add on expansion boxes which have new stories and new mm. characters and new cars and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're going to try and do that, which would be quite fun. Um, but then thirdly, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this game, which I briefly said this at the start of the podcast, and Johnny was like, oh, I like that game. Uh, and I, I think it is good. So Robinson Crusoe yes. is a very big box co-op game. I'm um, certain that some of our listeners will have just yeah. gone, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so exactly Robinson, where we're going with this. Robinson Crusoe is it's it's quite a cool concept. It's basically, it's kind of like a survival game, like a video game. Uh, like... Imagine something like Minecraft or um, what's, what's the uh, there's the arc, yeah, one. something like that. Basically, anything where you're like stranded and you have to make tools out of wood and all that kind of stuff. So you have yep. that kind of system. You can craft things. You go exploring. You'll find new locations. So like mm. you know, say you find like a mountainous area. Now you have like rock and flint, so you can make fire and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you need to like make shelter for yourself, make weapons so you can survive against like you know dangerous animals. Um, you need food, and then you have like a big objective, which is dependent on the scenario that you're playing. So, yeah. like, there's the very, very bog standard one, which is like make a big funeral pyre, not funeral pyre. You know what I mean? <laughs> make a big you're, bonfire. You're already <laughs> make a big funeral pyre because you're all gonna die. It's probably quite accurate. Um, make a big bonfire so that people can see you and get rec- rescued. There's yeah. like a King Kong one. There's spooky one where like ghosts have in, like inhabited the island. You need to exercise them and stuff. So you can and do all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah, there is a cannibal one, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not so far, yeah. that one. I'll tell you about that in a minute, actually. Yeah, yeah but but basically, like, it's that kind of, you know, it's called Robinson Crusoe because it's based on that kind of uh, story. And yeah. You can have Friday and a dog and all kinds of stuff. Mm. But it's a very big, complex box. Like, the rule book is hefty. Yeah. Um, and, like, just trying to, because I, I, I was coming in as a mindset of, like, I've played this before. And I think I remember how to play. So I'm just going to look up a rule if I don't remember. And then the amount of times I just had to flick through the book like for 10 minutes being like, okay, what happens if this token is here? There's like 100 different tokens. The setup takes ages. And eventually, I think we got about four turns in and I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't want to play this anymore. (laughs) 
and it was just yeah, like because like fun. I just wanted to get into something, and it was like yeah. these like these games are so heavy, and I'm sure it's really cool once you know it all. But yeah. yeah, it is not friendly to someone who just wants to jump straight in. Mm. No, it's one of those games where you need to play it with the same people. You need to play at least sort of like yeah. once a month and keep going with it. Because when I played it last, um, our friend owned it and he was so excited. He was like, come on, Lena, I'll teach you. Like, blah, blah, blah. And his excitement was infectious. It was brilliant. Yeah. But we were playing the slightly dodgy uh, cannibal scenario where cannibals will attack and you have to, you have to, you know, sort of fight them off and, you know, destroy their encampments and all that kind of stuff. And we got through the, pretty much the whole scenario before we realised that my friend had missed a rule and the cannibals were meant to attack us at night and we just hadn't twigged that they never attacked us. <laughs> so we were like, oh, we've been celebrating this victory, but actually we've just been the ruthless colonisers terrorising <laughs> oh, no. the people who live here. And we just sort of had this sober moment of reflection like, oh no. But also during that, that thing, we killed a tapir and then we killed a gorilla <laughs> and so we decided that we'd we'd picked up the tapir by the back legs and just hit the gorilla like we were using a steel chair in wrestling. So My God! Exactly. So it is one of those games that's very complicated but if everyone is kind of, you know, in a good mood and sort of takes it slightly like irreverently, it is a really good story generator. Like yes, I, I like is. it a lot. You have to know what you're getting into. And for the record, I think it's absolutely fine to play something for a bit and then stop. Mm. Yeah. A while ago, I played Darkness Comes Rattling with a friend, and I hadn't played it in a few years. And we opened it up, and I went, "Oh, I never realised it's one of these games." Yeah. It's like here is your character. Put your heart tokens on. Yeah. Now everyone must go resolve these cards. We played it, and I was like, "Should we stop?" And he went, "Let's do two more turns. I think we'll have fun for two more turns, and then we'll just stop." Yeah. And we did. We we did two more turns. And we went, "Oh, that's enough." And we we packed it away. I gave the game away. It's, it's, you know, goodbye, darkness comes rattling. But we got exactly as much as we wanted out of it. There's no mm. point slogging through the whole thing if you're not enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I think that there is like a sort of um, pressure, I think, when you've spent all this time setting something up that you're like, well, I, we have to finish it, right? But like, if you're not yeah. enjoying yourself, just pick something else up. And then we, yeah. we ended up um, playing through, um, which is not something I put on the list because we only um, got a bit far in before we got tired. But... Um, we ended up playing through the Fantasy Fly uh, Warhammer Quest card game, which is basically oh, yeah. Arkham Horror before Arkham Horror, because uh, it's yeah. like the same format where you like you have your characters, you play through little pre-generated campaigns and stuff. Um, but I think Fantasy Flight lost the Games Workshop license, so that never carried on. Mm. But that's also pretty fun, and it's basically Vermintide, but a card game, which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, so. That was my experience with Robinson Crusoe. Nice. It's very big. It's very heavy. I don't know if I'll ever play it again. <laughs> but think, it is cool. <laughs> I think there yeah. should be a scenario where you just go around the island and find delicious lizards. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, crisp up and have a chomp yeah. on. Exactly. In you write Crispy a diary lizards. entry about how you thought you were going to be a hero, but actually you're worried you're turning into a horrible person. <laughs> I actually did this uh, after, after Judah killed a second person. I was like, I'm this character's getting away from under my feet. So I sat down, put some music on, uh, sort of turned the lights down, and wrote a confessional, being like, my name is Judah, and I've killed two people, mm. oh three goodness. people. Did you yeah. listen to the Usher song confession or not? <laughs> uh, no, it didn't quite. As is custom in the was, Catholic Church. It was in the mix. <laughs> it was in the mix. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, me, what about you? Yeah, me and what have you been playing? Oh, I feel like I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, uh, I played some Love Letter, uh, digital version. Uh, I do have. That, that is not a disappointment. <laughs> well, 
well, it, it's a bit sad because I couldn't really find anyone who wanted to play anything with me. Oh, man. I know. This is, what, this is this the is pain what... of being a board game journalist. Like, you don't have to have friends to play video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially so... during a pandemic. It makes it very hard to do our jobs. The global lobby of, of Love Letter on Steam. You can play with randoms, but it ain't exactly jumping. No. Like, it's not Fall Guys. <laughs> no. Uh, so I booted it up and played against the AI <laughs> for a bit. Uh, that was really uninspiring because the AI oh, is... Bam, I see you. <laughs> yep. What a, it's a lonely what a year. It's yeah, a lonely year. It is a lonely all. year. But, um... Yeah, and the the AI are really quite well. They're quite stupid, to be honest. Um, <laughs> they're doing some some moves uh, that I was like, you you clearly know that this person, this other player has like this card. So like, if you've not played Love Letter, it's a very simple game where essentially it's like a player elimination mixed with like um, hidden role. So you have these two cards and. Um, uh, where well you start with two cards and then you can kind of discard and pick up new ones as you go through the game and cards to have different kind of abilities to them and you win the game by either eliminating everyone else or having the highest numbered card by the end of the game so when all the cards the run the out the, yeah the round yeah uh and so you know i basically completely steamrolled the two other players ai players i was playing against in the first sort of game because uh, I was just sat there and I was barely paying attention to what I was doing. I was going, yeah, I'll play that. And I'm just sat there going, this person, this AI clearly knows this other player has a prince. Like, what else could they have? And they go to play a guard and they guess, like, a bishop or something. And I'm like, I just feel like I'm playing against rocks with faces drawn on them. Like, <laughs> I might as well be because <laughs> it was about as effective as that. And then I played especially against. Since... Yeah. I was going to say, especially since the AI players don't make use of the excellent communication wheel in uh, the Love Letter Digital Edition. I didn't find kind that. Kind of like in Hearthstone, you can tell what. No. Like you, you can say like well played, or you can say like ha. Well, I'll never be but saying that. Unlike things like in um, in say Hearthstone, where you can be like good move or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's all insults, so it's like ha and ninny hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's very funny. You should you should give it a go. I can't believe I missed the best feature in the game. The, no. the best thing about those Hearthstone uh, conversation things is that they try to make them all really positive, but then yeah. like, and they do that in um, they do that in Rocket League. I remember as well. But yes. people will just use them so sarcastically. Like you'll completely spoon a shot into the top right corner of the map, and everyone in the chat goes, "Nice shot! Nice, nice shot! Nice, nice shot!" Yeah. It's like, oh my god, or, um, just. <laughs> Oops! Yeah. In Hearthstone, <laughs> yeah. Is devastating. Oops! Yeah, that's that's a classic. I used to play a little bit of Hearthstone, but um, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, yeah, I played against three other AI, and it was it was a bit more challenging. They actually gave a bit of a fight because they wheeled out the big guns. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Like obviously, an element to that game is what you're dealt. So sometimes there's a yeah. random element where you're just kind of you're kind of you know screwed over sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I still won. Um, also, Johnny and I were talking earlier, I think this has come up in conversation before, uh, about mm-hmm. the animations in that game. Uh, yep. Yeah, all the cards are animated, the different characters on the cards. 
some of them are quite fun. Like the prince looks like exactly what you expect him to be doing, just smirking like an arrogant, yeah. you know, looking weirdly like Nigel Havers. Yeah. Um, and the the priest who looks like a melted Nick Cage. <laughs> That's actually. That's a very <laughs> accurate description of that card. Um, yeah, and the bishop looks like you know someone lurking in the corner of a pub that you really don't want to talk to, but you have to walk yeah. past them to get to the toilet. Um, yeah. And the princess, as we've discussed before, um, she looks like she's got some serious breathing problems. Oh yeah, she doesn't need a love letter. She needs medical assistance. Yeah, her <laughs> chest expands and contracts well, in such Alarm an exaggerated alert. way. This, well, yeah. this is kind of the problem with like. I see this in a lot of games, especially in digital tabletop things, mm. where like, you know, it's difficult to to make 2D art look alive, right? So you have to mm. kind of animate it. And this is stuff that like me and Johnny will probably know quite well as well, because we like we do this kind of stuff for our job as well, where we have to like we've got some 2D assets, need to animate them in a certain way. But like when you've just got an old painting that somebody made for a card game like 20 years ago, <laughs> there's a limit to what you can do with it. And oh my word, you were talking about one of the um, one of the animations in a game that's for coming for a let's play, which I don't know if we can talk about here, but yeah, no. they get they get real real suggestive looking. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'd say like Wingspan does a fantastic job of it. Oh, Wingspan's so good. I've been craving more Wingspan. I will always I want to play it, Johnny. I, it. I really like that it's game. So good. So, I still haven't played Wingspan. I really need to try it. Yeah. Our wheels. We should. We should. We should do that. Um, the yeah, the cards are animated in such a fantastic way, where the birds kind of move and, and do little little shakes and little pecks. Um, that are so cute that make Meanwhile, you've got love letters like, <laughs> <laughs> like a blacksmith's bellows yeah <laughs> she is bursting out of her corset teething she absolutely bosom. is as is I mean don't even don't even talk about the uh, is it the countess oh yeah who's her her busty busty friend yeah who's meant to be like the salacious gossip monger in, mm. in the court because it's set in the city state of Tempest it's a tie it's like the version that everyone really knows is a tie in with a different board game but yeah <gasps> yep they're, they're heaving with the size and uh, and yep. scandal of, of love I'm just going to put it out there not to not to objectify uh, the cards in um, in Love Letter but I'm about to uh, the guard is the most attractive uh, woman she in the whole she is very cute she's beautiful she's got like a little button nose that I think is yeah. quite adorable yeah and she's got four sisters yeah all look alike so yeah. if you strike out with one guard <laughs> whoa you know, there's hope <laughs> there's hope <laughs> goodness oh, me God. if you ever have a fantasy about Love Letter there you go Please don't write in. Please don't. Yes. <laughs> Please do not write Send in. Send it to me. I'll read it. Oh, God. No. Send your erotic we're not, we're love letter fan an erotic fiction. fanfic corner of the podcast. I... I know Matt Jarvis is away, but that's that's a. I have to put my foot down there. That's a step too far. Hey, oh, I God. never said they had to do it. I'm just saying there won't be consequences. <laughs> Not for them, no. No. Should we look at some news? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, a bounty of, of exciting news to go through this week. Um, starting with uh, this news about Descent, Legends of the Dark. Yes. Legends of the Dark. Hmm. This uh, particular piece was written by the, the lovely Mr. Jarvis. 
Uh, I will try and do it justice. Uh, I'm aware of a Descent Legend of the Dark because it was kind of accidentally leaked a while ago by a book mm. that was based on it on Amazon. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. The description <laughs> was like, with this amazing forthcoming board game. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Fantasy Fight were like, oops. Uh, and so eventually... You didn't see nothing. Yeah, no. They did acknowledge it. Well, they didn't acknowledge that, but they did acknowledge the existence of the game and kind of announced it officially. Uh, and now they've revealed uh, more details about it. So for people who don't know, uh, the original Descent, uh, Journeys in the Dark, is a dungeon crawler that's quite popular. Um, yeah, it's what you expect. You sort of go into a dungeon and you fight some, some monsters and you've got different abilities. I think there's a progression element to it as well as you go through it's... each of the missions. It's kind of like a like a sort of RPG in a box kind of thing, mm. isn't it? Where it's like it, it it's very reminiscent of like Hero Quest and stuff yeah. like that. But it's it was massive for a long time. Like there are about a million different expansions for it. There's one where you can like have a boat that you use in between your journeys and stuff, and use it to travel between the other boxes you're playing. And like you could you could spend an entire mortgage worth of money on on like boxes for this game. Tis the tis the way with these miniature star games. Yeah. Um, but this new game, talking of cost, uh, is priced at a uh, hundred and seventy-four ninety-five dollars. Jeez, uh, I love that they they still decided to do a one seventy-four ninety-nine. Oh yeah, no that that extra cent that you've saved me there, really. Yeah. <laughs> one hundred seventy-five dollars, yeah. absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> one hundred seventy-four ninety-nine. Well, well now. <laughs> I, I was like, it's it's ninety-five actually. So you're you're saving, what five cents? I don't oh, know. five cents. Well, well, me and why? Why are we doing a podcast when I could be out buying Descent: Legends of the Dark? <laughs> um, that in pounds is about one hundred and thirty-three pounds. Um, and it's set to release in the second quarter of next year. Um, there's quite a few details about the game that have been revealed. Obviously, it's co-op uh, dungeon crawling. There will be some 3D terrain included in the box, along with obviously some miniatures, Mm -hmm. um, as classic. There'll be 16 missions in the campaign, um, and it's set in the fantasy setting of Terranoff, um, which uh, there's also a game called uh, Heroes of Terranoff. Yeah, this is kind of like Fantasy Flight's own Mm. IP, isn't it? Where it's like their own sort of fantasy world. Mm. Which I've, sorry, I've got the hiccups. Um, I, right. I think no, they've no. done quite a few things in this sort of like realm. The realm. But, but I think what's quite interesting about this one, correct me if I'm wrong, Mian, is that um, because the I previous version... I will correct version... you. <laughs> <laughs> you will, you will. Um, yeah, the previous version of this game was um, one person plays like a Dungeon Master style figure that leads all the monsters. And then the rest play the heroes, whereas this is now like with an assisted app, right? Um, yes, I believe there is a companion app. I can neither confirm nor deny the 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 element of controlling the monsters in the previous game because I've not actually played it. Um, yeah, so I think it kind of it basically is the same format as um, what's the Star Wars Fantasy Flight Dungeon Crawler? You um, are talking about in no the Star Wars one. Are yeah. you talking about all the Lord of the Rings one, Journeys? Through no, Earth? not Journeys Middle Earth, which is which is all app. 
there's a there's a Star Wars fantasy flight. That, Imperial Assault. That that's is the one. The one. Thank you. There, that, it's all that's there. The same format. Yeah, that's the same format where it's like you can either have one player play as like a dungeon master style figure who like oh, controls yes. all the monsters and stuff and yeah. and does all the in between bits and basically plays the you know the the empire. Oh. Um, or I think later on they released like a sort of um, a variant where it was pure co op with an app. Oh, so I think this is like learnings from their sort of Mansions of Madness style mm. and Journeys in Middle Earth. Like they're big into their apps now, Fantasy Flight. So I think that's kind of where they're going with this mm. one. I've heard really good things about the Mansions of Madness app. Um, so I can't imagine who from. Yeah, <laughs> who could it be? Um, it also says in this wonderful news piece that uh, this core game is only covering the first act of a campaign called Blood and Flame. The second and third acts will be released as expansions. Uh, there are no dates or prices for those as of yet. Um, so, hey, expect Descent content is descending onto so I, I, the world. I guess that'll cost you $299.80. Again. <laughs> Who knows? Um... <laughs> But hey, uh, people really like that descent, so I, there, I'm sure there's plenty of people excited for this. Um, uh, for for more news on descent, be sure to come to dicebreak.com. Um, moving on to something perhaps a little less ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny mentioned Katana earlier, didn't you, Johnny? Yes, <laughs> I did. Well, this isn't a new version of the game. But it is related to the Catan brand, as it were. Um, there are, is a line of, quote, fashionable footwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trainers made of brick. Yeah. <laughs> um, once again, I can't wait. this snooze piece is written by Mr. Jarvis. Did you um, just call it a snooze piece? <laughs> Ooh. Oof. You Doing are that Jarvis dirty while he's away. <laughs> you are stirring the pot, Mr. Wheelan. I never said such a thing. Uh, it's a very uh, accurate and, dare I say, somewhat amusing news piece, uh, which sees the funny side of of shoes that look like various resources. Um, yeah, the, there's apparently they're going to be coming out next year in the US. I don't know whether they're coming over to the older UK or not. Um, but, yeah, I can't see any... I don't know if they've released any images of them yet, but uh, I'm sure <laughs> they'll look does say, snazzy. does say here that there's a Hollywood movie in the works based on Catan <laughs> as well. <laughs> what is going on with that brand? I don't, I don't think they have any idea what to do with this thing. I mean... Just milking it with the sweet milk. Yeah, but well, like it's got very colonial colonialist overtones. Yeah, so I'm not sure I want a Catan. I don't think like, anyone film. does though. The like... shoes, genuinely, if the shoes are nice, I might buy them as a fun joke. Like, <laughs> well, not as a fun joke. Obviously, still wear on my feet. But like, if they if they had trainers that you know look nice anyway, and mm. very few people are going to get it, but the people who are, are like. Are those settlers of Catan shoes? Like, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know you're cool then. Yeah, why not? One hundred percent on board because you know, like, I mean, we joke about Catan a lot and how ubiquitous it is, but I do have, it, like, it's got a, li- it's got a little place in my, in my heart because hmm. it's, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a giggle. Um, but a movie, I'm alright, I'm okay, like, unless <laughs> it's following the robber around. Mm. 
And at the end, it's just, you yeah. know, it, it's, it pulls out, like, the, the Godfather, but he's in an office just full of, like, stolen logs yeah. and sheep. <laughs> it's just like, there. It's like, you yes, I am a good robber. <laughs> on the day of the <laughs> dice roll. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be starring, like, Tom Holland or something. And there'll be people who are in high school, but suddenly they find themselves sort of island full of oh sheep. god i didn't even imagine that like a jumanji style yeah no i'm calling it in. that's what it is oh Zach no Efron is, a, is a humble sheep uh, shepherd yep who now finds himself having to settle Catan. <laughs> the, the king of this newfound realm is played by keanu reeves <laughs> yeah <laughs> be to be honest now we're making a better film than it than it will be yeah probably. that's true we're yeah. giving them too much credit here but it, <laughs> yeah, it does it seem up. like like as a as a general thing, like I don't think anyone who who is on like the publishing team for Catan mm. expected to get Catan to be this big, and now they're like, oh, what do you do when you've got lightning in a bottle? Make a movie. It's like, no, calm down, everyone. I mean, Catan is like <laughs> by board game standards quite old now. Like, yeah, it, it is one of the quote modern classics, but. Still, 95. it's yeah, it's getting on a bit. Um, so, yeah. ha- what else can you do apart from make a film with potentially Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it, maybe? <laughs> or um, that's it. That's else? the dream. That's the dream casting. Is Dwayne the Rock Johnson? It's, it's like he's logging in a forest, and he's like, "Hmm, yeah. <laughs> I need a sheep." Oh, oh, and then you cast Willem Dafoe as a sheep. Yes, Willem Dafoe. Classic. Classic. And his yeah. only lines are just bare. <laughs> yeah, but he's somehow manages to communicate that he's he's on a mission from God to yep. build the longest road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm something of a carpenter myself. Um, uh, there's, a, there's an amusing scene where they have to go to a port to try and trade for, favorably for for goods. Mm. And it's Danny DeVito. Yes. <laughs> oh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is also there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the governor of Catan, obviously. Yeah. You can have this brick, but you're going to have to give me three wheat. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take no for an answer. <laughs> and then Danny DeVito just comically falls over because that's what yeah. he does. Uh, uh, right. well, yeah, it, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger has, has obviously already starred in uh, a tabletop production, i.e., the Yu Gi Oh! series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. to the beast, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness no one understands that apart from maybe two people to, and yeah. to the two people who do a big shout out to big you big shout out to you um, yeah this is going next. off the rails <laughs> next <laughs> yeah I'll be sending a script um, soon <laughs> costs about a million a million pounds yeah. That's pretty cheap for a Hollywood movie. Yeah. yeah. Wills. We'll do the, we'll do a first treatment for a million. That might get you five minutes of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay, let's move on to this next news piece. Um yeah. Concordia, which seems to mm. be a fairly well liked game. Again, I've not played it, but um mm-hmm. it's a game about uh, sort of running your own Roman dynasty uh back in ye olde olde times. Uh that's how we measure <laughs> history here <laughs> it's how many ye oldies you've got in the sentence yeah. um, you've got yodi 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 and then you're just yodeling yeah. <laughs> um yeah there's a digital board game version coming out um 
done by the people at Acrum Digital. We've already done uh, adaptations of Charterstone and Eight Minute Empire, uh, along with Mobo Studio. Um, the game is set to come out in quarter three. Uh, and for anyone, really sorry about my that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just coasting through it. Um, for anyone who doesn't know how Concordia works, you're kind of establishing trade networks across uh, various colony colonies. Connor. Colonies. That's the one. <laughs> what Will said. A bunch of Connollys. A bunch of great lads from Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you're gathering the usual wealth and power, etc., etc. Because you want to please the gods. Because that's all that anyone wants to do, really. Absolutely. Um, mm. I, for one. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, so if you want to play... Concordia online with your friends or even against an AI opponent because uh, you've got no friends um, you can do so um, late next year there's not a retail it, price for it yet so it looks about as ugly as the original game um, Will swinging I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the screenshot and already my head hurts uh, but I think that's one of the problems of digital adaptions is like there's mm. so much information that you need to have on screen at once yeah. it's a whole lot to take in especially games like this that are like yeah. built and that sort of thing um, but I, I have heard that despite its looks Concordia is a really good game yeah like, people really seem good. to really like it <laughs> um, it's got some nice cover art I remember. Um, it. <laughs> right. I've seen. I've seen a lot worse wheels. Well, but hell, your, fa- your favourite is the bear one. So Baron Park. <laughs> Baron Park. Don't you dare say a word against Baron Park <laughs> on this podcast, wheels. I swear. I swear to God. <laughs> um, yeah. So there you go. Concordia Digital. Um, it's on its way. Um, uh, unless anyone else has anything else to say, we can move on to this next news not, piece. Not particularly. Ding, next. <laughs> next. Um, okay. Um, Urban Shadows, which is a fantasy RPG from Magpie, um, who've done things like Bluebeard's Bride and uh, Masks, A New Generation, uh, is getting a second edition. It's on Kickstarter right now. Um mm. Yeah, uh, until November the 19th. Uh, this was written by me, by the way. Um, oh. Yeah, as you can an tell. An Alex Mean special. Yeah, an Alex Mean special. Um, yeah, this is this RPG is basically a supernatural modern style um, world where sort of people are vampires and werewolves or, or may, mayhaps a mortal, a near mortal attempting to, to live in this world of horrors. Uh, and it's kind of inspired uh, by, well, the second edition is inspired by things like the Dresden Files or the Wire or uh, other such pieces of media. And this uh, second edition looks to add some new interesting elements, like uh, city hubs that are kind of based around some of the different um, types of sort of characters you can be, uh, so like vampires or fey creatures or whatever. Uh, and they're also reworking some of the playbooks and adding two new playbooks um, called <laughs> The Imp and the Swan. 
The imp and the sworn. Indeed. Hmm. Uh, it was, yeah, co-designed by Mark Diaz Truman, who created Cartel, which is an RPG kind of based around uh, Mexican, uh, the Mexican drug trade. Uh, and Marissa Kelly, um, who I think worked on Bluebeard's Bride, which I'm fascinated by. I yeah. To play really bad. Um, yeah, maybe I'll get my hand on that. So yeah, uh, you can go on to Kickstarter right now to see the second edition. And uh, you can get a physical copy for about $39 slash £30. And you can even get uh, PDF versions for just £15. Um, and as always, more information available on Dicebreaker.com. Mm. <laughs> Have any of you heard of Urban Shadows, or is this not in the slightest? I I saw that you said it's John Wick inspired. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said on the the Kickstarter. Technically, the first edition came out before John Wick, uh, but this second edition. They definitely so you could, cite that you could say it. that John Wick is actually Urban Shadows inspired. <laughs> hey! Post-hoc, ergo, proctor hoc. Keanu Reeves is a cool person. Uh, maybe, cool person. maybe they've, you know, maybe he's, he's had a game of Urban Shadows. You don't know. How about Moving Medici on. Reformation? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that, man. <laughs> Yeah, I can do that. I I also wrote this one. Um, yeah, so Medici is a pretty well-liked auction game by guess who? It's Reiner Knizia again. Yay! <laughs> Someone pressed the Reiner Knizia buzzer. <laughs> uh, yep. I know. <laughs> That's how I'd have it sound. I've actually talked. Yeah, I've actually had a chat with him. So, yeah, Yeah, he seems nice. Um, Good. Yeah, uh, there is a. It's a bit confusing as tabletop can be. It's sort of a remake slash new version of the game called Medici Reformation, um, which looks to be sort of bringing a lot most of the elements of the old game over and then adding some new aspects um to it so in the old game you'd kind of compete with with the other players to sort of gather a monopoly over certain sort of resources that you could barter for um and in this new version you'll be arranging them in the holes of your ships um mm. and you you can get sort of extra points for sort of arranging them in particular rows and columns. Um, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> um, Who also, isn't? Yeah. Uh, they also talk about Martin Luther <laughs> is involved somehow. Uh, the the religious figure. Um, it's, it's based around the Medici family of uh, the Renaissance era. Um, so there's some interesting historical stuff with that, I guess. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign is set to be launched sometime next year. Um, we don't know how much the pledge amounts are going to be. But yeah, there you go. I have to say, Ryan Knizia has obviously made quite a lot of very good games. Yes. And it's, it is very cool to see games that he made in like the 80s and 90s being reprinted with nice art. Like I've got Ra on my shelf, which is very cool. It's like a sort of ancient Egyptian auction game. 
Mm. And it's just really pretty now, now that it's been, you know, revamped by said man. Or yeah, or the, it, so. the original version of Medici, I saw it, is hideous. I will <laughs> say, it's really yeah. awful. <laughs> um, I'm going to Google it now. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it has actually been remade Ooh. already, technically, in a new version, which has much better art on the front cover. To the point where I was kind of looking at the art and going, oh, that man on the front is very handsome. This is what I do these days now. I'm just like... like... Thirsting over board game boxmen. Yeah. Me just playing a constant game of bonk, marry, kill with all of the people on the front of board game covers. Yeah. you got to entertain yourself somehow these days. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, Will, did you find it? I did. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> it really is awful. Uh, I don't know what this new version is going to look like, but... Um... If it's anything like the other edition that's come out, it should be pretty good. So, um, yeah, look for that on Kickstarter sometime next year. Um, Let's move on to something I know we're all excited about. Yes, all of us. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so um, I wrote this one as well. Um, It's been announced that Critical Role, the actual play series has its own tabletop publisher called Darrington Press. Um, there are, it's looking to release four games next year. Um, the company itself is headed up by Ivan Van Norman, who is involved with Hunter's Entertainment. That's yes. the, yeah, the studio behind Alice is Missing, which Wills is a fan uh, of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the games are based off the world of Critical Role itself. Uh, the first one is called Ukatoa, which is a reference to one of the kind of gods-ish uh, in the, s- the second season. Um, it's a co-op game where you're kind of fighting to keep your ship afloat while this leviathan is attacking you. Uh, so it's kind of Critical Role adjacent. A more uh, sort of direct one is called Critical Role Adventures, has been described as a legacy style game uh, where you play characters of Vox Machina which is from the first season of Critical Role uh, there's also a co-op card game called Guardians of Matrimonia uh, which is more sort of vaguely fantasy themed and a tabletop role playing game called Syndicult which is actually designed by Matthew Mercer who is the Dungeon Breaker for Critical Role and Dungeon Breaker. Dun- the Dungeon Breaker for Critical Role. You mean the Games Master. <laughs> the Dungeon Master, yeah, for, for Critical Role. Uh, and uh, he's a voice actor as well. Um, mm. And it's looking to be sort of a magical mobster style RPG, which is interesting. Um, I'm very glad it's not just a vehicle for pumping out endless Critical Role stuff yeah no yeah. there if is Ma- other stuff making rpg I, I am actually intrigued by that like yeah. i want to i want to know about it what i was when i first saw this headline i'm not gonna lie i've just kind of rolled my eyes yeah uh, critically um because <laughs> uh, i was just worried that it was going to be you know just just endless sort of yeah like cynical reskin cash grab games mm. but i mean it, this actually looks like it's got teeth which is nice and four games in a year like that's a that's a decent number they're not exactly they're not flooding them up. No, no. I think it seems to be... I think it looks like they're kind of testing the waters, as it were, mm. initially. Because obviously Critical Role as a brand is quite popular. Um, yeah. 
so they've already got that but whether obviously people because i think a lot of people just watch it and they don't even necessarily play like rpgs um true uh so you with this you know they maybe can't guarantee that they'll get people to buy it but i mean looking at the the layout which is not final of ukatoa the artwork is really nice um and it it sounds interesting and it is it Again, I'd say the only game on this list which is directly kind of related to Critical Role is the Critical Role Adventures, which is exactly what I expected from mm. this kind of publisher. The rest are kind of either adjacent or not even connected to it. Um, mm. And, you know, Matthew Mercer, it looks like only to be designing one of the games. The rest of them have completely other yeah. designers who are, as as I know, not directly connected to critical role so yeah fair play to them yeah it's interesting i mean they've been getting involved in a lot of different things so you know obviously they've got the actual play series they've got an animated series coming out which eh, Mm. i'm not really that fussed by um and they've also recently set up a non-for-profit organization called critical role foundation um so they're sort of putting their their fingers in all sorts of pies Mm. Um, but we'll have, have to... some very dirty fingers <laughs> covered in cherries very hot, and apples steaming. and yep. custards yep. <laughs> uh, all in the same pie um, yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah it's like a bedfordshire clanger yeah oh i love a bedfordshire clanger <laughs> that's not something you hear every day no. yeah so yeah we'll keep an eye on some of those games i'm sure and um see what they're like but hey yeah it's exciting that they're not just pumping out only critical role based stuff. Um, yeah. So let us. Oh, and also, um, you know, for the for the sake of journalistic integrity, we do have to mention that uh, Mian does have a poster of Matt Mercer above her bed. So we we need to. <laughs> I'm looking at above my bed right now. Um, unless this is an invisible poster or has been. Oh damn it! Over. I forgot to put it up. <laughs> lie <laughs> uh, okay uh last piece of news here uh this one's fresh off Oof. the presses um the there is a game called dire alliance horror mm. um which was created by well co-created by the makers of undaunted normandy and north africa um, mm. that's trevor benjamin and david thompson it was also uh, co-created by um, by Brady and Adam Sadler, who have worked on Warhammer the Adventure card game. Oh, well then. <laughs> it's all coming full circle. Yeah, and this uh, Dire Alliance horror game sounds in quite similar to how Undaunted works, to be honest. Um, mm. There is a map um, with, you've got tokens representing your different units on it and you can kind of move them and perform actions by playing cards so it is a deck building game with kind of strategy elements to it Uh, and there are different objectives that you need to kind of fulfill Uh, there are two modes in the game Uh, there's a battle mode where it's two two players sort of going against each other trying to compete to complete these objectives and there's a um, co-op mode uh, called raid mode where up to four players can sort of work together to defeat an AI opponent oh, cool. um, which 
you know, we haven't seen them daughtered, as far as I know. No. Um, this is also horror themed, if you didn't catch that. Yeah, it didn't name. give it away very easily, did it? Yeah. <laughs> really buried the lead on that one. Um, so you can choose like a different faction and a different leader uh, to combine to make your kind of your um, army, as it were. And they're all kind of based on, you know, classic horror creatures and characters. So uh, one of the ones I've included here in the article is the Shroud, which is formed of different vampires. Vampire. Vampire. <laughs> yeah, there's even a ghosty one. Um, and then you can, can kind of combine that with a different leader and they'll give you different abilities and things like that. Uh, so yeah, it looks interesting. Obviously, um, there's a miniatures element to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because this, yeah, this is a modern board game on Kickstarter. Um, of course. The, the core edition itself doesn't come with miniatures, but you can buy a pack of miniatures along with it separately, which aren't essential to the game, uh, but they're there if you want them. The miniatures aren't essential to the game, Ian. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like I'm, g- I'm, I'm going to sort of... Stick my my hand Here we in go. I I am at least glad that um, the games have seen like we've the little plastic clips and the cardboard standees have mostly died a death because I hate those. Mm. I also hate entirely grey miniatures that you clip into like coloured bases. Not a fan of those. Mm. Yeah, not a fan uh, of those at all. In um in this game, it looks like the core version just comes with little tokens that you lay down, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, the it's on Kickstarter right now until November the seventeenth, uh, with uh, the core copy costing about fifty dollars, which is thirty nine pounds. Um, yeah, estimated to come out around November of next year. Hmm. So I mean, I'm intrigued because, like, I I I know people absolutely rave about Undaunted. Yeah, I like it. It's good. It is really but good. Yeah, it's really good. World War Two is such a turn off for me. Mm. Yeah, I just do not care. What about like, spooks, it's... Johnny? Love a spook. <laughs> love a spook. Does he love a spook? So, yeah, yeah. shove someone's so... head in a in a deep fat fryer. Love the spooks. <laughs> yeah, we're not. That talk... is a that is a British TV reference. Yeah, we're not talking about the television show. It's a, spooks. That's possibly a deeper cut than a Bedfordshire clanger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think Bedfordshire clangers. Considering it's from one county in England as opposed yeah. to broadcast across the entire nation. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, and I don't even know all the counties in England, so there you mm. go. I know the three counties, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. That's the Bad Tarts and Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the birthplace of, of Dice Of Dice Break. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, oh, it's also the first in a series of games. Uh, that are meant to be compatible with one another. So presumably this one is horror-themed. Mm. There may or may not be others coming out that might have different themes. World War II. Oh, yeah, maybe there'll be a World War II one for you, Johnny. For example, <laughs> for example, Dire Alliance, colon, anything else. So Dire Alliance, drama. Yeah. <laughs> Dire yeah. Alliance, uh romantic comedy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you've got Hugh Grant. Going up against. Yep. <laughs> You've got Hugh Grant. We yeah. know that. <laughs> <laughs> that who's, one's that, who's that one in, in 
Pride and Prejudice. Oh, Colin Firth. Colin Firth. There, yeah, they can fight each other. You describe that. You're just describing Bridget Jones' diary, <laughs> in which they have a fist fight. This is yeah, true. Diary Alliance colon Bridget, Bridget Jones', Jones diary. diary. Bridget Jones yeah, diary. that's the next. That's the next. That's the next one coming up. We like, oh, that's not been confirmed, obviously, but keep keep your ears. Letters, letters, <laughs> letters, 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 letters. We've got some messages. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for sending in these lovely messages. Um, you can send us a question at Twitter at Join Dicebreaker. Um, mm. You can also send us a question to our email address, info at dicebreaker. Dot com. Com. <laughs> um, ask us what a better chicklanger is. Yeah. Mm. Jarvis will have a great time telling you all about it in a couple of weeks. Yep. Oh, he's probably well, going to this he's podcast, from, isn't he? He's from Hertfordshire, though, I'm afraid. Ooh, okay, yeah. right. Mm. Never mind then. The Bedfordshire, Bedfordshire boys will take that one on, don't worry about it. I'm not a Bedfordshire boy. <laughs> all right, boy. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, emails. Emails. Okay. Well, go on then, Johnny. Why don't, why don't you read the first yeah, question? Yeah, come on, Johnny. Read this okay. first question. Hi, Dice Breakers. I saw Dead of Winter <laughs> Is that it? Was... <laughs> Hello, moving on. <laughs> I, saw Dice... I... I saw Dead of Winter make an appearance in a recent video, and I was reminded of your earlier podcast where you were discussing ditching the optional traitor mechanic, ensuring there will always be one yes. in the game. I found that interesting, as I personally like not being sure if there is a traitor or not. Mm-hmm. Some members of the team still look real shady as they try to complete their secret objectives, even if they are on your side. One of the best games I played had no traitor at all, with my group growing in suspicion of each other to the point where we tore ourselves apart and lost what should have been an easy game. The moment we realised we were all innocent cracked us up, though this may say more about trust issues in my friend group <laughs> than it does on that being uh, that mechanic being good or not. I'm not quite arrogant enough to assume I've changed minds here, but I'm curious if you can think of a time someone has changed your opinion on a game mechanic. Failing that, is there a popular opinion out there that you think needs a second look? Thanks for what you do, guys. Being fairly new to the world of tabletop, you've done a lot to guide me toward the good stuff. <sighs> Yeah. Dan French. Thank Thanks, you, Dan, Dan French. Yeah. That's a lovely email. Yeah. I will I will just quickly say before we get to the question, um that that's hundred percent like a, a house rule that I prefer. Um and whilst whilst I get like I love the concept of having an optional traitor where you're like, ooh, but what if we're all good? I tend to find with most of the games that I've played, um, you kind of trigger from the fact that nothing like has been intentionally sabotaged. Eventually, mm. you're just like, I don't think there's a traitor. And it always feels a bit deflating at the end, I think. Yeah. Mm. But that's that's my personal opinion. So maybe I've changed your mind, Dan. Who knows? Um, but we'll get to the question. Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon, Johnny? A mechanic that someone's changed my mind on. Yeah. Mm. Uh-oh. I have definitely had... Um, like, when I first started learning board games, someone tried to teach me Dominion. But they weren't, like... They weren't great at the teach... Uh, which made me think it was very dull, and I was like, I don't, I don't get this. And like for a long time, I was like, oh, I don't want to play a Dominion like game. Uh, and then it, it took someone to be like, no, 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 no. like deck building is amazing. Like just sit down, like sit down and play this goddamn game because deck building is great. And I was like, oh no, yeah, deck building's really good. <laughs> I've just been like unfairly uh, uh, dismissive of it. I would say probably for me it's it's actually games that are super adversarial. I used to struggle with them because 
like I'm quite an anxious person. I like to be liked. Where you know, if someone doesn't like me, then it, it sort of really gets under my skin. So when I'm playing something where you're super out to get other people, I feel bad. I feel like I'm like uh, doing them dirty. So like for example, when I first started playing um, Doomtown, the the CCG I can't shut up about. Mm. Like, <laughs> if I was absolutely stomping someone, I'd feel really guilty, or I wouldn't take chances to go and mess them up because I was like, well, they. There's no way they'll stop me, and that just feels unfair. Whereas, you know, I slowly I learned. I was like, that's just the nature of the game. Sometimes you you just you have an opportunity to take someone out, and you you absolutely take it. So I think being comfortable with going for other players and taking them out of the game mm. is something I really didn't used to like, and I kind of felt like it was bad form. But now I'll I'll take your home system in Twilight Imperium if you so much as look at me wrong. <laughs> well, so, you heard. Yeah, you. You word. How about you, Min? Oh, let's think. Um, I can't think of a hugely specific example. I can think of, like, for example, my, my general feeling on certain kinds of board games. Mm. So I used to be a little bit... Like Johnny, I used to be a little bit unsure about getting into certain games because of my own, like, feelings around, like, what you, what you have to do in them. So, mm. for example, big chunky games where you're managing a lot of stuff um like now i can't think of any like um like scythe like scythe for example um i used to just not want to go near them because i was Mm. convinced that i would suck at them and not be very good and then other people would point at me and laugh and go ha ha you're an idiot Uh, (laughs) that's what happens to me whenever i play board games (laughs) and i had to just essentially wean myself onto playing these kind of games and just getting used to the idea of of learning how to play them because to be honest games like scythe aren't you're not meant to just be good at them as soon as you've played it like Mm -hmm. uh, it's the kind of game that you kind of have to work at uh, and then you gradually learn how it, how it how it works, and then you will eventually get good, sort of. Um, in my experience, um, there's also games that I feel like I need to give a second look that I maybe wasn't keen on initially. So, like Fury of Dracula, for example, is a game that the first time I played it, uh, I was really bored because it went on forever. And I was one of the hunters, and I wasn't really sure what I was doing. And Dracula was mm. just like optimizing every single move. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, so it just <laughs> meant that we didn't really have much of a chance in finding them. And it was just kind of a very uninspiring experience. But I think maybe I need to give that game another look. Um, yeah, I think a, an excessive playtime is is the death knell for so many games. Mm. That I think you'd otherwise enjoy. Uh, I played Inish. Um, mm. a while ago and I, I love Inish it was really good we were playing it I was like how have I never played this before this is wonderful and then there was a point where one guy was on the verge of winning and I was like well if I do this I can I can absolutely take his legs out from under him and one of my friends was very much like mm, you should just let him win though and I was like why because like, then the game will be over it's like but the stupid I have like I have the ability to stop this and I'm going to and then we played for another hour and by the end everyone was a bit like you really screwed the evening, Johnny. It had, it, had, it had gone on a bit too long. But at the same time, you know, like, I didn't feel like taking a dive. Yeah, you know? no. So it's, it's funny, but, like, it, it definitely... I definitely did ruin that 
I did. I, like, I put us through an hour of pain that then meant that everyone felt like a little bit disappointed yeah. by Inish. Or rather the evening than, than not. So mm. what I'm saying is I'm a monster. But, yeah, I'm not. It, but it did, it did make me realise that making people do a thing for much longer than they want to, to do it is a way to stop them having fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> no. saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it was a surprise to me as well. But I accept it now. Sorry, sorry, Paul. If you're listening, sorry, I didn't let you win it, Inish. <laughs> it is a bit of a kingmaker game, Inish. To be fair, it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying I put acid in your drink, but. <laughs> well, moving on. <laughs> Wills, would you like to read this next? I, w- question I would love to. From Ian. Martin. I'd absolutely love to. From Martin. Yeah. Okay. Hello, Dicebreaker team. I'm a relatively fresh GM that recently managed to get a group together to play some tabletop role-playing games with, open brackets, mostly after having been inspired by Johnny DMing for Rock's Venture and Dungeon Breaker, close brackets. Uh, since I had no experience myself, and neither did most of my players, we started out with Quest to test the waters, so to speak, and we're having a great time of it. However, I'm starting to want a more complex game to play. We're already constantly homebrewing no- new rules for Quest to give the system more depth. Do you know of or recommend any tabletop RPGs that are more complex than Quest, but less so than, say, D&D? The theme I'm going for is mainly standard fantasy. Sincerely, Martin Wagner. Thank you very much for the... For the uh, or mm. Wagner, I believe, is the, pro- mm. the composer, so I'm going to assume that that's how you pronounce it. Right, okay. Okay. Options. So, yeah. The Savage the, Worlds is... There's a uh, lot, basically. <laughs> Uh, that it can be applied to a whole bunch of games mm. like it, it runs all sorts like um like deadlands uh like uh Achtung cthulhu uh this is really skipping like really doing my head and not being able to think of more savage these games. these but questions can ones. yeah these questions can be difficult because you, you when you get put on the spot your brain just shuts down you're like yeah. all games i don't know the name of any games yeah. <laughs> let's see fantasy savage worlds uh, yeah, wheels. Well, I think the the problem is I tend to veer away from standard fantasy because I think mm. I've gotten a bit tired of it because it's such a like prevalent thing in board games. Mm. Um, but yeah, there are certainly ones out there that um will I'll give do you Band of Blades. Band of Blades, yeah, Band of Blades yeah. is really good. Uh, it works on the same. It's it's a Forge in the Dark game, so it works on the same system as Blades in the Dark, which is meant to be very you know, streamlined and player focused. Modular but, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Band of Blades, a campaign is about 12 sessions, uh, but it's super rewarding. Um, there's really good stuff for character growth and you, you get to pick powers. So it's a bit like Quest where you really feel like you have a build where you're mm. like, hey, here I am. Like, this is what I do. Here comes the thing that I do. Um, it's different from Quest in that some characters will be better at rolling certain things than others. However, it's like Quest in the, that everyone has the same health pool. Um, so there is there are enough similarities. Um, and once you've got your head around it, I think that would be a really rewarding transition. Yeah, I, I think Band of Blades is wonderful. Mm. It really is good. Yeah. Um, I would say a lot of games that are based on Powered by the Apocalypse, um, mm. which there are quite a few... Pubta. Uh, yeah. <laughs> including Root. Uh, yeah. The role-playing game, which technically isn't out yet, but there is a starter you can download for free. And, and it's free as well, which yeah. is very handy. Um, yeah. Which you can try out. And we had a great time with that, didn't we, Will? 
Yeah, we did. Um, so I would recommend that one, actually. Yeah. It's Powered by the Apocalypse is like... It's weird because you you say it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game, but there are so many out there now and it's evolved so much that if you play the original system, it doesn't feel anything like most of the modern mm. RPGs that it's based on, you know, um, that are based on it, rather. Uh, but yeah, so Powered by the Apocalypse is a sort of... I think, it, yeah, it's a jump up from quest and complexity, but without being too complex. Um, I will say that Powered by the Apocalypse games tend to favour... Um, like, they're not... Like, at least, you know, the the original game is built in a way where it doesn't favour that sort of, like, we are a group and we move through things all in real time. Mm. It's more sort of like a TV show where you'll jump from scene to scene kind of thing, uh, which can be a little bit jarring if you're not used to it. Um, it's not one of my favourite systems. I've not really made much of a secret about that on this podcast, but I do think it is, like, it's very easy to adapt into new settings. So you can find all kinds of different um, versions of it that, that you'll enjoy. Um there was one called Dungeon World, which I would ask you to avoid because the creator's a bit of a creep. Mm. Um, but apart yeah. from that, there's definitely going to be some um, some fantasy stuff out there in that yeah. system that you'll yeah. probably enjoy. I think it's a really good shout, man. Okay, shall I do this next question? Do Please. it. Um, I've got to not butcher this name now. At Raven Ab- Abunanzin? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Abunanzin. Uh, us. With Halloween close, <gasps> what spooky board games or pen and paper games can you recommend for a solo player? Now, hold on a minute. <laughs> Love the I podcast. Mean, Keep up the good work. I mean, firstly, we banged on about Set of Watch in the past. So, Set mm. Watch, it's great. Yeah. Love um, Set of Watch. I was actually thinking, I want to go get that from the office and play it again. Mm. I'd miss it. (laughs) Oh. I want it. I want it. (laughs) I thought you already had your own one. (laughs) No, it's the office one. And I, I, the minute lockdown started, I was like, oh, God damn it. I didn't take set to watch. I was like, the minute we're back in the office, it's mine. (laughs) Well, that'll be, what, four years from now? So that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to buy set to watch. Yeah, just do it, mate. Well, there's a new there's a new standalone <laughs> he expansion. He said, "Happy to save the money himself." <laughs> yeah, there's a new standalone expansion that's yeah. uh, launching on Kickstarter soon as well. Well, so. it's, it's already on. It's already oh no, yeah, no, sorry, I just, it's late pledges now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geez, it's already been funded. Exactly. Oh. Uh, something of the coin, I think. The yeah, it's Brotherhood of the Coin or something. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. Um, there's a merchant, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there's some new characters. Um, yeah. Uh, in the thousand year vampire isn't that a that we so yes. I, I was gonna wait until we did the uh what's coming up next but um oh, sorry. if you're well, watching this happened. yeah if you're watching this on friday yesterday we would have done a live stream <gasps> uh which is today uh myself and johnny are gonna be playing thousand year old vampire on the stream uh, with the with the chat choosing what happens next so that's gonna be very interesting um mm-hmm. so give that a watch if you like but thousand year old vampire recently featured on our list of the most beautiful rpgs ever made mm. it is one of the most gorgeous books ever created it's quite spenny because it's it's or expensive sorry if you're not familiar with that term <laughs> uh it's, it's quite expensive because it's it's a solo sort of indie publisher who's like uh printing on demand so like they can run you up a bit but mm. it's gorgeous and you can get a pdf for it of course uh, i'd also recommend the machine which yep. is um on our list of solo rpgs which oh, i know johnny's so a big fan of it's also on our um, list of horror rpgs yeah there you go on dicebreaker.com mm. um but there's all sorts of spooky uh, solo RPGs if you want that. As for board games, uh, we did a video list of solo board games for 
Valentine's, where Mr. Motivator Johnny Chiellini gives you a nice little pep talk at the start, <laughs> um, where we recommended Arkham Horror, the living card game, because mm. you can play that solo as well as with two players. So that's also a very good shout. Um, but I'm sure these two fine folks will have some uh, some good recce's as well. Uh, <laughs> or have I exhausted them all? <laughs> um, yes. I mean, that I believe you can play the new Escape the Dark Sector solo. Yes, um, yeah, I think you can. And I gave that and Castle, right? a pretty good review. Um, I've not played it solo, so I don't know how it how it plays out. But To be, to be honest, you can play any co-op game solo. So yeah. if you like a, the look of a spooky co-op game, get it, because you can play anything uh, solo yeah. that's co-op. Yeah, uh, to be honest, that... Yeah, I mean, you can play, you can control multiple characters in that game. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so you can balance it yourself that way. I mean, the game is difficult anyway, regardless of, to be honest, how many characters you have. Um, so, yeah, maybe give Escape the Dark Sector a go. I, mm-hmm. I liked it. It's spooky. <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, shall we do one more question? Yeah. From Oliver Gerlach. Mm. Or Gerlach. Would you like uh, to read there, it out, Will? Yeah, I will. Uh, there are a lot of historical themes used in games, but which period do you feel is really underrepresented and you'd like to see more often? Johnny Chiodini has the floor. Mm. <laughs> 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 underrepresented and I'd like to see more often. Underrepresented, and I'd like to see. I mean, to be honest, to give you some more time, Johnny, um, I would like to see uh, not necessarily time periods, but parts of the world which are underrepresented. Everything Mm. is Western, medieval, Renaissance, like American. It's incredibly Eurocentric. I would love to see, yeah, all Japanese. Japanese. I would, I would love to see some um, some cultures from different parts of the world being represented and being like written and designed by people from that part of the world as well yeah Yeah. because there's a lot of like i'm a white designer for america and i'm gonna make a game about china and it's like okay but (laughs) you should get someone from china involved (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah so i'd I'd love yeah i'd love that more of that please yeah maybe like southeast asia or Mm -hmm. like um australian indigenous or anything that yeah. Maori, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, mm. so many amazing, cool cultures in in the rest of the world that just don't get talked about ever. Mm. And yeah. apart from us, like I've made a worker placement game set in this world, and I'm a white man from Germany. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to see more more games that sort of that try and teach you about a period that was like difficult for a country. Mm. And I feel like actually Poland has some very good. Um, like examples on this front like so there's a, a polish game called kaleka yes which means q which was partly funded by uh, the polish government um and it is a game where you're in communist poland and you're trying to do your weekly shopping to feed your family but not all shops get stock every day and the stock they do have is limited and it's a worker placement game where you put your your meeples into queues to try and get everything on your shopping list in order to win and then you have cards that are like you've borrowed a baby or you're friends with somebody in you know the the local government to move you up the queue and all that kind of stuff but it also comes with this book that teaches you all about what it was actually like living in in Mm. communist poland and all of the items you're trying to get are actual products from that era um and it's amazing it's a really good insight into sort of like the difficulties and the seemingly arbitrary nature of goods being available in communist poland Mm. 
also in Detective, a modern crime board game. Um, there's a through line between all of the quests and at, at various points in the game it will mention something and there's a little symbol that says please look this up online and read about it. So just so you've got the background information and a lot of it is to do with Poland and sort of the, the period just after the war um, and it's really like it, it provides useful backgrounds to a core gameplay experience that is really really fun but you also learn a lot mm. um, and I would love more stuff like that where it's just like you're playing a game you're having a good time but you're also just discovering what it was like to be in you know this regime mm. um, or or that one you know mm. um, yeah I think that would be like just really cool mm. I, just I will say like, quickly actually like sorry man you, you carry on before I jump in Right. I, I was just say I have a few different responses to do. So firstly, I think a lot of the problem is that a lot of these historical type games are things like worker placement or very yeah. heavy Eurocentric games, which mean that accurately depicting the time period, particularly from the eyes of people who were uh, in a minority or, or were repressed, uh, is very difficult because obviously they're designed to be based purely on you can win this by being the the person who is best at strategy and if you mm. you know in order to actually present you know a realistic interpretation of these periods and the the kind of experience that people had you would have to make that inevitably you know unfair because you know the reality is a lot of people you know, strategy doesn't really come into it. It's just circumstance. Or, like, if you're being repressed, there's not a huge amount you can do about it that could be represented by, like, a work and placement game or, or things like that. So often they come from the perspective of people, you know, in a privileged position, such as, like, nobles or merchants or things like that. Mm. And that's fine. But it's not very inspiring if you actually want to be like, oh, this is what the period was like. And I mm. think games like Detective and role-playing games are a much better way at looking at these particular historical periods because they allow people to actually explore the world and the story within them and the people within them and the culture within them in a way that actually works. So like mm. Zhongxi, for example, which we played, which was really fun and really interesting, you know, depict um, the lives of Chinese immigrants living in the US uh, during is it like the 1940s 50s sort of era yeah. uh, and like that's a really excellent way of you know displaying a period of history that I know nothing about and a culture that I don't really know much about and mm. it was really fascinating unlike Night Witches as well the the yeah. RPG uh, about the Russian female air force and it's like this is really awesome and fascinating and I think storytelling games and RPGs are a much better way at looking at historical periods and cultures than something like Medici, for example, which is fine. Yeah. But the set again, a lot of these games are made not even with the setting in mind. They're just made with the mechanics first and the setting is slapped and then on given top. given a dressing, yeah. Yeah, which means that ultimately they're not really exploring the period that well anyway. Um I would say one period as a nerd, one period that I s did study that is kind of fascinating is um, England during the 1700s, particularly during the periods of kind of rebellion of, you know, the working classes and 
essentially the repressed presentry against the fat mm. cat nobles and how it kind of represented yet another one of the most turbulent periods of of political unrest this country has ever seen and it's just mm. fascinating in terms of seeing that from the perspective of the people who frankly had had enough uh, and you know they were seeing an incredibly corrupt system abusing them um, it's a very interesting period of history um, that I would be interested to see something set in hmm. Wills what were you going to say I was just going to say, um, to further the point about Thousand-Year-Old Vampire, uh, it's genuinely a really good tool for learning about cultures that you're not familiar with. Um, because you, you have to place yourself as a character and like answer prompts based on how that character would live and react in this world. So like when you create your uh, vampire, you, you choose any part of the world, any part of history that you want, and just plonk yourself down there and try and make a person. And to do that, you need to, like you know say I shove myself in... Uh, Romania in the year 1100 like I need to learn like okay well what what would a Romanian name be like in that period what kind of jobs would I have you know what kind of people would I interact with how would I spend my days that kind of thing and then as you progress you were like okay well all right things are bad here I need to move I don't know slightly eastern and, and find a different country and a different culture to integrate myself into and stuff like that and you do just find yourself like wikipediaing things and being like oh I didn't know that that's interesting like it is a really good sort of vessel for like learning about uh, like cultures and periods of time that you're not really that familiar with, uh, which uh, hopefully yeah. we'll do something of on the stream later today. I'm, I'm bricking it because Wheels has made the the vampire. And he <laughs> dropped. He was like, "Okay, here's the deal," and it's the most Michael Whelan thing ever. Like, I feel like I'm going to be pretending to be Michael Whelan, pretending to be a vampire. I've got so much googling to do between now and the start of this stream. Because honestly, it's yeah. It's... I'm not as fluent in ancient Greece as, as you might think I am. Okay, I'm... but you're certainly more fluent than I am. I'm just obsessed with I mean... it recently because of Hades and Aegon. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, if, if it were the other way around, I'd be like, welcome to the period of Anglo-Saxon epic poetry. <laughs> you are Grendel's cousin. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you've got to do your homework, Johnny. Yeah, Grendel didn't, didn't stalk, he didn't slither, he didn't insinuate his way up to Hayrot. Grendel gone, gan me. Grendel walked. Indeed. There it is. Indeed. There you go. What a, there what you a, have it. What a phrase to end our podcast on. <laughs> yep. Have some of that. Right. Nice podcast have a bang on that. <laughs> Thank you for all your wonderful questions. Uh, like we said earlier, you can send questions to info at dicebreaker.com uh, and maybe they'll be read out on the podcast. Maybe. Uh, Who knows? If Not you even whisper we your question into a glass bottle and throw it against the wall, it will also reach our ears. Mm. So, um, yeah, just give that a go. Yeah. Also, please stop doing that. <laughs> I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, if you could only do it between the hours of nine to five GMT, GMT Monday yeah. to Friday, that would be brilliant. Because <laughs> I got asked a really, really interesting question about four X strategy games the other day at like three was, in the morning. Yeah. And I just couldn't get back to sleep. I got that one as well. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> insightful question though. Mm. Mm, indeed. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, with that, uh, would the video team like to tell me what's coming up on the old channel? Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, in case you missed last week uh, hosting the triumphant return of Dungeon Breaker, mm -hmm. that's that's still back. 
Dungeon Breaker. Dungeon Breaker. It's Let's still back. Dungeon Breaker. Uh, so we'll watch Dungeon Breaker. Um, next week we've got a painting stream as per usual. Um, and some we've got some stuff in the works that we are currently unable to discuss. <gasps> so mystery, but, but also painting. Podcast. <laughs> um, the stream, which would already have happened by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, people can go back though and watch it. Absolutely can. Uh, it's not a thousand years long, you'll be pleased to hear. Uh, <laughs> and the premiere of the next episode of Dungeon Breaker is happening at what time on Saturday, Johnny? 3pm GMT. It's when all of our things go live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you might see some of us in the chat for that. Um, up on the website, uh, we have some exciting things. Uh, we have a very fascinating feature called A Natter of Life and Death, where mm. one of our, our freelancers, Jamie Taylor, spoke to a para, parapsychologist yeah. um, about Mysterium, uh, cool. which is a very excellent game about ghosts. Yes, it um, is. So you can read that right now. There's also a list of the best tabletop RPGs without a GM, which is by our Mr. Whelan. Hello. Yes. <laughs> there is a video of that that you can watch. Mm-hmm. Or you Available can... now. Yes. On YouTube.com for such icebreaker. Or you can read about it on the site. As edited by Matt Jarvis. <laughs> uh, actually, I find that was me. So. Oh, mm-hmm. as edited by Alex um... Meehan. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, now that's special. There is also a guide to uh, painting miniatures on the site now. Uh, a step-by-step guide. Um, so if you want to get into miniatures painting and join join perhaps these two next week. These dweebs. These dweebs. <laughs> uh, you can read that now and get some tips. Hot tips. Um, there's also a list of the best anime board games written by our resident anime expert, Mr. Matt Jarvis. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe there is a list coming out today, when you listen to this, of scary Magic the Gathering cards. Nothing more scary than booster packs. (laughs) (laughs) Just in time for Halloween. How wonderful. Ooh. And with that, we will say our goodbyes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chiodini. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, thank you, little little wheels in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I've been your host, Alex Meehan. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.